Well, the ugly and underbelly of competitive gymnastics has certainly been a topic of conversation out of court cases and of you know, newspaper series over the last little while, thinking, of course, to the Larry Nasser case in the U.S. And now it is the subject of a class action lawsuit in this country, filed Wednesday in the Supreme Court of B.C. by Amelia Klein. It asks the court to certify her claim as a class action representing Canadian gymnasts who say they were sexually, physically, and or psychologically abused since 1978. Um, Klein is a former competitive gymnast, of course, and among several others, uh, at least 15 uh, who are not identified, uh, who have joined the class action suit alleging various forms of abuse. Named in there is Gymnastics Canada, or allegations within programs under Gymnastics Canada and provincial governing bodies in BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario, and Quebec, also named in that lawsuit. Well, joining me now to discuss this is Amelia Klein. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, I was watching some of the interviews you've been giving over the past few days and just learning a bit more about your story. Uh, tell me about the beginnings. Like I, I gather, like all young athletes, you love gymnastics. I did. Um, I, my story is very typical in that I started when I was two. Um, my parents put me in because I was doing baby chin-ups on the kitchen counter and they thought this would be a better, <laughs> better way to do things. Um, and I really loved it for about the first eight years of my of my gymnastics career I had wonderful coaches um competitions were fun and you know the sport itself is just um such a an exhilarating thing to do so it was um it was a wonderful experience all the way up until the last three years obviously you were good at it because thus the invitation to move up that other to that other level of it Uh, was that a difficult choice within your family for your parents for you to decide I'm going to do this sort of as something much more than just something that I enjoy doing? Um, it, it was. It, it came with um, certain sacrifices. We ended up commuting for an hour a day uh, each way um, from where we were living to the new gym. And, um, you know, my parents certainly had to uh, adjust their lives. And my little sister kind of took a back seat for a while. Um, so it, it was a decision that, that came with consequence, but it was also one that was made um, in the context of sort of the, the common refrain that's told to young gymnasts is, you know, you could go to the Olympics or you could get a full-ride scholarship to the States. So the, the understanding was that the payoff was going to be worth it. And just to put this in context, this is about 15, 16 years ago, right? When you started, is it, is it early 2000s, mid-2000s? I apologize. Yeah, it was early 2000s, so um, mm. the relevant time period of, of the claim is sort of 2000 mm. to 2003. So you arrive at the next level, which involves going to a new gym. Uh, what happens there? Um, so for about the first year or so, it was, it was a positive experience. It was certainly more intense. It was uh, many more hours of training than I had been used to, and there was an adjustment to that, but the coaches that I had were, were lovely people. And, um, you know, although they were, um, somewhat more intense, it, it was never to that degree of, um, meeting the, the threshold of abuse. Certainly, um, they were tough, but they were, they were good people. Um, and then unfortunately, um, about a year into that, we had these two new coaches that arrived on the scene and, uh, overnight things just completely changed. What was that like? I mean, I would imagine that in any competitive sport, there is a fine line between being driven and being and being abused, essentially. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's actually kind of a misconception to say it, it is a fine line. I think right. people actually know that it's you have crossed the line when you have. 
Um, right. And I always make the comparison of, you know, if if this would be problematic if it were happening in a school um, or at a daycare or at, in any other setting outside of sport, mm-hmm. um, it's abuse. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. it, it should be recognized that way. Um, so there is a very definite line between what is tough coaching and pushing a child to excel versus um, essentially dehumanizing them and, and um, grinding them down into nothing. And how did that, how did that happen? What, what did that, what was that like? Or I mean, what, what was done? Um, so immediately right off the bat, there was um, screaming whenever there was any sort of mistake made. Um, and that was shocking to me. I, I had never actually been yelled at by an adult before. Um, right. And so I just remember being sort of wide-eyed and, and shocked that this could even happen. Um, and, you know, it, it became very clear that um, we weren't supposed to tell our parents what was happening. Uh, we were going to be pushed to do things that we weren't ready to do, and that could put us at major risk for injury. Um, eventually, they instituted weighing, so we would be weighed once a week um, publicly, and um, if the number on the scale had gone up from the previous week, we would be berated and told to not eat and, you know, publicly shamed for that. Um, and there was also sort of the, the physical element of um, overstretching. They would sit on our knees to hyperextend them so that we wouldn't be deducted points as much because our knees wouldn't look bent. Um, so, you know, my knees are actually permanently hyperextended. Um, and, uh, you know, in the claim, something that's detailed is that at one point my coach overstretched my hamstring to the point that it snapped my hamstring off my pelvis and took part of my pelvis with it. So, um, those were the types of things that we were experiencing. So at one point you decide that's it. Uh, what happens? Yeah. So it was, um, in the grand scheme of things, it actually wasn't really an uncommon day, Um, But I think it just became the straw that broke the camel's back. But my coach um, demanded that I perform a vault that um, I had only just recently started vaulting again. I had um, torn my from the hamstring injury that I had sustained at his hands. Um, I had been off of vaulting and tumbling and everything for about two months. And out of nowhere, he asked me to do uh, a vault that I knew, having not trained it for two months, I would not be able to perform safely. Um, and essentially what ended up happening is I landed on my head twice in a row, um, was very concerned both times that I had broken my neck, um, and sort of had to lay there feeling my feet. Um, and then he dragged me into his office and said, the reason you can't do your chinko is you're too fat. And he put me on the scale to prove it. So do you tell your parents at this point, are they, are they, are you been at least in a situation where you can talk to people about this? Yeah, so I left the gym that day, and I, I immediately told my parents what had happened. I And at this point, I hadn't disclosed to them all the things that had happened in the three years prior. Um, and I it just came spilling out. I told them everything, and they immediately, of course, were horrified and thought, okay, we have to report this. Um, and that's when we tried to report it to Gymnastics BC. And so you decided at this point to stop, to walk away, um, mm-hmm. and then you filed this complaint. Uh, how difficult it, I mean, you're 14, I gather at this time, that must've been a really difficult time considering how much time you devoted to gymnastics over the course of your life, just to walk away. Uh, so disillusioned and then try to get the system to work for you. 
Yeah, it was it was very hard, and the process itself was kind of um, well, not kind of. It was quite traumatizing. I essentially lost all my teammates because there was um, very much a pressure for um, no one to speak out in support of what I was trying to report. Um, you know, and the investigation itself didn't really go anywhere. Um, so we were really left not having any sort of justice or closure at the end of the day and knowing that those coaches would still be coaching. And that was, um, that was pretty devastating knowing that other little girls were going to continue being abused. For a long time, I gather you simply, you, you, you suffered uh, what you said in the claim uh, is you suffered some permanent injuries, uh, but for a long time, you didn't, you didn't talk about this. And then I gather you wrote a blog. How did that, how did that happen? Or is that, the, is that, is that what happened? And how did that happen? Yeah, that's right. I, um, you know, privately, I, I had told people about it, but I had never been public about it. And really what it was is I watched the Athlete A documentary um, and I also um, heard the story of Lori Hernandez in the States, um, who had a very similar story to mine. And I realized I had a story of my own to tell. And so I, I just wrote my blog really for my own catharsis. I thought, you know, I just need to get it out. And then it's on paper and, you know, maybe won't plague me. And um, not expecting anyone would read it. But instead, I was flooded with messages from gymnasts all across the country um, from you know, my generation and current generation and generations before me. And I realized that this was a huge problem still. Um, and that was horrifying. But also I was realizing that survivors really were wanting to come forward. Um, and I think that's where we find ourselves today. I'm speaking with Amelia Klein, who's the lead plaintiff in a class action suit filed against um different pro gymnastics Canada, but also different provincial programs over allegations of, of abuse over, over many years, going all the way back to 1978 uh, in terms of the plaintiffs, at least 15, I'm told. Uh, after this, we'll talk a bit about the court decision to take this to court and also the stories you've been hearing from the other gymnasts as well that are similar to yours. That's next. I'm speaking with former gymnast Amelia Klein. She's the lead plaintiff and along with 15 other gymnasts in a class action lawsuit alleging various forms of abuse within programs under Gymnastics Canada. Uh, Amelia, when we left off, you were talking about the writing of the blog and just how many people responded uh, to your story with stories of their own. Um, what was that like to hear so many others had gone through what you had? Uh, I would say it was equal parts horrifying and validating, um, you know, to realize that there was this large community when my initial experience of trying to come forward when I was 13 or 14 was so isolating. Um, I realized there were so many of us out there who had similar stories and who were now finally for the first time connecting with each other. Now, we, a few months ago, I actually did some interviews on the show on this uh, when a large group of former gymnasts and coaches wrote an open letter demanding uh, that Gymnastics Canada's culture be examined. More than 450 have signed that letter. Uh, were you involved in that as well? Was that something that, that gave you any sort of hope that things were changing? It did. Um, I am a signatory to that. I don't know how I could not be. Um, yeah. And it it really was encouraging to see just the response, the overwhelming response that that open letter received. Um, I think when it first came out, no one was really sure if it would really go anywhere or if there would really be many that come forward. But 
we've now seen, as you said, you know, over 450, I think is now the number. So yeah. it's, um, it's clear that there's a lot of people out there. Tell me about the decision then for the lawsuit. Um, how did it come about and what would you like, what, what would you like to see? What are you asking for? Yeah, I mean, it really has come through this groundswell of survivors coming forward, finding their voices, wanting to demand justice for what's happened, and also wanting to protect the future generation. And, you know, as much as I'm the public face and voice of this, it really is um, uh, it really is representative of many, many others who are wanting to see these changes happen. Um, and really, I think that's what we're looking for in this, is we're hoping that it sends a message of accountability to these institutions that you cannot allow systemic child abuse to exist within sport, um, that these organizations are responsible for keeping the children under their care safe. Um, And we are hoping that through that process, Gymnastics Canada and these other organizations will actually come to the table and sit with us to figure out solutions that will actually help. Um, Because even though they may have policies on the books right now, it's very clear that they're not working. Um, and so something needs to be done and it needs to be done urgently. And you still suffer. I mean, you still live with the impacts of what you went through. Um, well, you're a half lifetime ago now or half a lifetime ago. Yeah. I mean, I still have, I mean, 20 years on, I still have nightmares. Um, I, I have chronic pain. I've had severe sciatica since I was 14. Um, I, continue to have disordered eating patterns um, and I've learned over the years certain strategies to uh, help avoid really spiraling into very dangerous territory with that but it's these are things that do impact us um, lifelong in many cases and certainly the conversations that I've had over the last year or two um, it's become very clear to me that these um, abuses don't leave us just because we've left the gym. Um, they stay with us and they require a lot of treatment and remedial work in order to function. You mentioned it earlier that, you know, most of your experience through going through gymnastics as a child was a positive one. For parents out there who have kids in gymnastics or thinking of putting their kids in gymnastics, listening to this, what do you tell them to look out for? What do you tell, tell them that's good about the sport and what do you tell them to be aware of? Um, I do tell parents to watch things like a hawk. Um, There are some red flags, I think, that you can look for um, where gyms start to ban parents from being able to watch practices. That's a concern. Um, It should be a red flag for anyone that, um, you know, if you're not allowed to watch what's going on, maybe something's not right. Um, You know, there is this uh, culture that really sucks parents in along with the gymnasts And, you know, under the promises of Olympic dreams and university scholarships, um, really starts to justify behavior that would not be acceptable anywhere else. So I tell parents to trust their gut. If they feel like something's wrong, there probably is something wrong. Um, And just be very involved. Um, Know that you you have a responsibility to make sure that your child is safe and um, the people in the gyms may not necessarily share that. When you look back at it now, do you still carry any of those positive um, positive memories of, of what happened before you ended up in the in that final gym? It's you know it's hard. I of course those memories are still there, but they are tainted by the last three years of my career. It was 
um, it really did sort of ruin my joy for the sport, my love for it, which um, is really unfortunate because it, it can be a really beautiful, wonderful sport. It can teach kids discipline. It can teach kids perseverance, um, all really positive values that I think I still carry with me that um, that I learned early on as well. But it's um, those negative experiences really can wipe out the joy that kids experience early on. Amelia Klein, thank you so much for sharing your story with us tonight. I appreciate it. Thank you so much.